Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Is your mic on, Trish? Yes, we sorted this out yes, again. It's my on. goodness. Now, Where before we, we get into the show, I just wanted to give you a little update on my uh, attempts to live amicably with the flora and fauna of Wandsworth because, you know, I've been having trouble with the parakeets. Yes. <laughs> you really want to hear this. What now? Come on, it's David Attenborough. The ants are invading. You mean the ants? Oh, God. The ants have invaded the kitchen. Well, I say the kitchen by the back door. And they come in and they go down with this tiny, tiny, tiny little hole in the grout. <laughs> and they all swarm around. And it's it's very unpleasant. I don't I don't like it. So what have um, you done to them then? Are well, you talking I, to them? What, how are you going to do this without? I mean, I, I fear that there's only one way of getting. No, them. there isn't. This Young is the Trish. thing because I didn't want to obliterate them and annihilate them and you know what? napalm them or whatever. So I found out what you can do is you basically they move out at night because they go home at night. They just come in the day. So you wait for them to go home at night. Like teenagers. Yeah, you fill up your little hole with a little bit of whatever grout right. or polyfiller, yeah. and then you have to clean the area because apparently they leave a little scent trail so you clean the area with some like white wine vinegar oh and lemon juice and then that's supposed to stop them so that's on my list of things to do t- tonight <laughs> well Joyful. i've got on my list of things to do sterilize the moths in my oh, bedroom ster- when i say sterilize, sterilize i mean stop them having babies how does that happen i need to do that yeah i've had two jumpers this week and obviously yeah. they'll get the lot now oh they're all over the bloody place and what you have to do is mm. you have to get a decoy thing with carnauba wax in it and the males fly past it on it or somehow it attaches and then they can carry on their life as normal but they're sterilized they can't oh. have babies that's so you basically good. have to sterilise the male moths. Sterilise the male moths. Canuba wax. Yes. Never heard of it. We'll have to look it yeah. up. But aren't we full of fascinating information? Oh, dear God, I would be listening to this podcast on tenterhooks from yes. now on. Well, we'll do it's, all the insect world next week. I know, we're week. rent-a-kill. Hello. Hello. Welcome to Postcards from Midlife. I'm Lorraine Candy. I'm Trish Halpin, and we're on a mission to help you make the most of your magnificent midlife. We'll be tackling everything from mind and body wellness to HRT and your sex drive. Lorraine and I are here to help you have a stylish second act and answer all your midlife questions on fashion, beauty, careers, relationships, family, and as always, the challenges and joys of parenting teens. Welcome to Postcards from Midlife again, everybody. Here we are, peak of the summer, height of our happy days. I was just wondering, Trish, in this sunny times, Mm. if you were a summer song, what would you be? California Girls, Mm. Summer Nights from Greece. Love it. Ella Fitzgerald's Summertime. Bit too sophisticated for me. Bit easy down there with Neil, (laughs) South London. Yes. uh, Maybe Macarena. I could see myself doing the Macarena. (laughs) birdie song that was always a summer holiday favorite or wipeout do you remember that one the surfing oh, i do one? remember that one mm. yes because i like to think i'm the beach boys surfing usa because oh, okay. i've been having surf lessons for 15 years now trish down in cornwall right and like many things in life trish surfing like cooking parenting 
Instagramming. It's not as easy as it looks. <laughs> I don't think it looks <laughs> easy I, at all. I am going to master it before my knees mm-hmm. give up because I'm in search of that endless summer. Did you mm-hmm. see what I did there? That's a very mm-hmm. famous uh, film. Anyway, on with our summary show. And first up, we're going to be sharing our favourite summer recipes in the jibber-jabber section of this episode before moving on to one of my favourite stars of stage and screen, who is also a literary sensation now. Yes, indeed she is. If ever there was a woman who could multitask, it's Jackie Clune. She is currently starring in Motherland, but has just written a really gorgeous, lovely comic novel about kindness and community, which she just happened to kind of bash out, knock out in lockdown. Well, I'm not sure how she does it, to be honest, because she's a singer, excellent singer, done loads of musicals. She's a mum of 14s, including triplets, and you hear her on the radio all the time. And I don't know how she manages to wear all those different hats without getting sort of confused or feeling overwhelmed? Mm, Well, it's good you ask because in How to Win at Midlife, we'll be explaining how we can all make the most of our side hustles and manage our complex lives even better. So I've been finding out how to multitask and remain sane. And I now know something about writing a to-do list, which will change all our lives. So make sure you listen through to the end. Well, yeah, I can't wait for that bit because I did something I've never done in my whole career last week and you will be advising me on how to stop it ever happening again, won't you, Trish? But first of all, my little tiny gourmet, let's talk about food. (laughs) On this week's Jibber Jabber, Trish has persuaded me that you, our lovely listeners, may like to hear us talk summery cuisine. So we've decided to share the summer grub we love most. Bring me your finest recipes, Trish said to me. So brace yourself. I think we should start with Trish because I think your recipes will be a sort of Nigella standards with a mm. soup son of Delia. And mine will be more sort of from the Bridget Jones blue soup variety of recipes. What have you got for me, little Fanny Craddock? Oh, well, little Fanny has been gathering recipes for, for many Can a we year call you now. Fanny now on. <laughs> I had an aunt called Fanny, a great aunt, great aunt Fanny. Oh, did you? I did. Yes, lovely old lady. I don't um, know whether I can make a joke or not. I think <laughs> I should bring it in. Carry on. <laughs> right. So I have got a collection of torn and stained pages from yes. BBC Vegetarian Good Food magazine from the early 90s. Back in the day when I probably first started wow. cooking lots of lovely vegetarian things. And I still use quite a lot of those to kind of rustle up my sort of veggie delights. So one of my favourites, which I think you would like, is roast asparagus, tomato and shiitake mushroom noodle salad. I what like do you that. think about that? Does that sound I nice? I don't know what a shiitake mushroom is, but I love a noodle <laughs> salad. Well, I actually think, looking back, I'm kind of like, gosh, I can't believe we had lemongrass because that's in the dressing. Lemongrass and fancy mushrooms back in the dark ages of the early Goodness 90s me. but we did well, what do you do with it how do you do it well you just put the asparagus tomatoes little like cherry tomatoes and the mushrooms in a roasting dish you put ginger and lemongrass on it Excellent. and then you roast it with some sesame oil and then you make a little dressing you put it in the noodles and it's a bit of basil it's just delicious I like it very much would you like me to make that for you one day yes please yes, yes please. please I feel I might go wrong with the shiitake <laughs> mushrooms I feel like they'll come out like mushrooms do just slippery and Oh no, they're lovely. That is one of mine. Tell me one of yours. Well, I did some blanching this (laughs) week. Can you imagine? (laughs) Why? 
this is what happens. I didn't realize that asparagus and things like that go there unless you cool them down before you put them in a salad. So as you mm. know, I've gone back to being a vegetarian. I was one mm. for a very long time. Then I wasn't. Now I wasn't. Now and anyway, I'm back again. So Ottolenghi's green vegetable salad: mm-hmm. asparagus, beans, broad beans, chili, toasted sesame oil, olive oil, all the oils mm. basically you cook all the vegetables blanch them and then whizz it all up together again it's brilliant and oh, sounds- i've discovered stuffed feta stuffed feta pepper. oh right i thought you meant stuffing the feta but you mean stuff the pepper with the feta you get a pepper <laughs> and in it you put i don't the know why i'm holding my hand like this as this if a pepper is, like, is an um... enormous melon like thing yes you get a pepper and in it you put rice feta spring onion a couple of spoons of harissa and then just shove yes. a lot in the oven well, Ten I would say, minus the harissa, that sounds very 70s. That sounds like a What's 70s nothing. Like? Well, no, the harissa is, is a bit it's more new. modern. It's I new. I think in the 70s you wouldn't have had the harissa. Where I get my recipes from now, and we both talk about Anna Jones because we love her. Oh, she does brilliant. amazing vegetarian food. And I came across her actually in Guardian Feast magazine, which is the magazine that comes with the Saturday Guardian. And I have to say they do have the most fabulous recipes. And her tomato tart is to die for. But I'm just going to give a little, as we're talking summer, a little summer shout out to Ainsley Harriet's barbecue Bible. <laughs> I feel like there's ketchup in that. There is no ketchup in there. So what I can say is it is a really brilliant book. Now, it doesn't look, well, unless they've updated it, the version we've got, it probably looks quite dated in terms of the photography, the food styling, everything. But the recipes, they still stand the test of time. Did Ainsley do Ready, Steady, Cook, where you gave him three things and he had to make something out of them? Like you'd hand him a potato, a pencil sharpener. Yes. Um, and a bucket of water and he'd yes. make some kind of fabulous stew. That was him, yes. wasn't it? It was him. I did that last night with some Jersey new potatoes, some leeks and some kale from my garden. I managed to rustle something up with the help of Anna what? Jones from those vegetables. three ingredients. <laughs> yeah, fried vegetables. Are you eating your 30 <laughs> different vegetables a day? I am. Um, it's a, it's a month. Yeah, I'm, I'm making my list. Oh, I'm so making my list. Come on, give me another one. Okay, I'm going to give you another one. This is very exciting. I've got a waffle maker. Yeah, that's not necessarily a summer recipe. Mm-hmm. Again, I ordered it on Amazon because the children were like, we need a waffle, we need a waffle. And I said, well, I don't, something called a waffle maker will solve this problem for me. Mm-hmm. What the size wrong is about the size of a pound coin. Oh, tiny. The but the joy they have had with that waffle maker, oh. top tip, put it on a tray, otherwise you end up clearing up waffle yeah. stuff from everywhere. But it's so simple. It's the best summer thing we've bought. Oh. <laughs> they literally oh. keep whizzing up this waffle recipe, putting some vanilla in. Apparently that's a secret. They're using a Nigella or a Jamie. Um, and then the only other thing I know is my friend Deepa, who is French. Mm-hmm. Well, she's cross Sri Lankan, half French, so her cooking is extraordinary. And when she says tartelette, tartelette, <laughs> we love tartelette. <laughs> I'm going to make a tartelette and some vinaigrette and I've written down her vinaigrette recipe but to me I think it's just a French vinaigrette which (laughs) you tell me if this is everyone's French recipe but it's come down through Deepa's whole family Mm. cut up garlic teaspoon Mm. of Dijon mustard teaspoon of olive oil and two teaspoons of cider vinegar whizzle it all up bit of salt it's amazing Mm, that sounds super nice very small quantities there she's obviously making as she goes i just wouldn't put the garlic in but i would do exactly the the same for the rest of it i don't know i hadn't thought to put the garlic in but maybe that is the the difference with le francais they put the garlic in 
I've got one more cookbook that I want to recommend. Again, I discovered this quite a while ago. Can you tell that I'm quite old? So it's called The Greens Cookbook. And Greens, it's a restaurant in San Francisco, which was launched in 1968, like one of the first kind of really cool vegetarian restaurants. And you can buy their cookbooks and they're absolutely amazing. And I was very lucky to go to San Francisco about three years ago. And guess what the one thing was I really, really wanted to do over and above everything else? Take drugs and party with young gay men living your best life no well I wanted to go to the Greens vegetarian restaurant and and guess what happened to the Greens vegetarian restaurant it burnt down down the week before (laughs) I'd waited all those years to get there but never mind I have the recipe books and I can make my lovely eggplant and noodle and sesame seed salads to my heart's delight it's quite nice thank you very much I hope that was helpful listeners our summary recipes tartelette this is Paige, the co-host of giggly squad and i want to tell you about a company that i've been loving olive and june olive and june gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box and if you break it down it really comes out to two dollars a manicure which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. It's hard to know where to start describing this week's guest because her life has been such an adventure. But here goes. You will probably know her best right now as the monstrous school secretary, Mrs. Lamb, in Motherland. But actor, singer, novelist, broadcaster, journalist, stand-up comedian and mum of four, including triplets, Jackie Clune has been a consistent face on stage and screen for more than 25 years. Jackie, 55, was discovered at the Edinburgh Fringe performing a Karen Carpenter tribute act. She went on to have one of the most exciting globe-trotting careers in the entertainment and media industry. She was the warm-up act for Puppetry of the Penis, touring Australia with them. She starred as Donna in the stage version of Mamma Mia, taking it on a world tour. She starred as Mrs Wilkinson, the dance teacher in Billy Elliot the Musical, as well as performing in highly acclaimed, award-winning classical theatre across the West End, including much Shakespeare. She's appeared in EastEnders, The Bill, Ghosts and been on Front Row and QI. Jackie met her husband Richard, a former actor in a theatre bar. The couple had their daughter a year after getting together and a year later they became the surprise parents of triplets, two identical boys and a girl. She has written four books. The latest, Give a Little Love, was completed during lockdown. The couple have now been together for more than 20 years. Not bad for a rebellious Essex girl who once described herself as a radical lesbian feminist. Jackie Clune, welcome to Postcards from Midlife. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Now, 
what a roller coaster of a life you have had. It's quite extraordinary researching your life and you've packed so much in. So I'm going to start with two very simple questions. What's your favourite Carpenter song? And what has been the happiest day of your righteous life? So many happy days. I'll start with the Carpenters song. It's a bit bad, really. My favourite recording by the Carpenters is their cover of the Beatles' Ticket to Ride, which if you haven't heard it, mm. treat yourself. It's absolutely gorgeous. It's just so sad. And she sort of rings every last moment of bittersweet glory out of that song it's just absolutely beautiful and the outro is amongst the most sad things I've ever heard where she just keeps repeating think I'm gonna be sad it just goes out on and on and on although I think these days I sound more like Richard Carpenter (laughs) what's your happiest day of this wonderful life you have lived so far Lots, I suppose. Having the triplets, that was a relief just to get them out. Um, that was quite amazing. And my wedding day, that sounds really naff and cliched. And I don't really oh. mean it in like, it was the happiest day of my life. Like one of those women that, you know, builds towards the wedding and then the rest of their life is over. Um, it was just fun to have, we did it on a Monday at registry office in Marleybone, very rock and roll, just to have everybody around really. I think you know, I've been a card carrying feminist for about 30 years. And I think that meant that I thought that that meant I wouldn't enjoy days like that because they're so cliched, but actually when you're in it, it's wonderful, you know, and and you realize why all those, why all those things are there, those Mm. sort of traditions and stuff, because they're actually really lovely to look back on. So yeah, it was a really good day. And your kids were there, weren't they? They were. All four of them. <laughs> we, and we didn't bother with the, um, you know, bride walking into the hus- husband-to-be waiting adorably, adoringly because it just seemed a bit disingenuous, really. So we all just sort of piled in together. Mm-hmm. And I dressed the boys, who were, I think, two and a half at the time, in identical white tuxedos, just to humiliate them, really, <laughs> in later life. Yeah, it was fun. Aww. And they all piled around. One of them actually sat on my knee while we were getting married. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah, he didn't oh, want to be nice. on his own. Oh, <laughs> uh, Now, listen, we're both big fans of Motherland. And I have to say the latest series, which has just been on, I think Mrs. Lamb had a bigger yeah. role, who you play, the school secretary. So who is she based on? Because you've obviously had a lot of school secretary experience with the four children well when I was auditioning for that I don't know whether you're aware but sometimes you don't go in the room you have to put in what we call a self-tape so they send you the script you have to record yourself at home with somebody else reading the other lines of dialogue but the day that I recorded it I was in a really grumpy menopausal mood it was a really hot day there was nobody to read in for me and the builders were next door making a lot of noise so I just recorded it as if there was nobody else speaking and just left gaps and apparently she Sharon Horgan saw it and said, that's brilliant. (laughs) Those sort of secretary characters, they just don't really listen, do they? (laughs) I think what the shock was for me when my kids went to school was that you sort of give up ownership of them. The school then acts like they own them. Mm -hmm. And those school secretaries are kind of the Rottweilers at the gate, aren't they? And you can't get past them very easily. Mm -hmm. And they always say no. So I think it's I'm slightly channeling that. Although the ones that we had early on were really lovely and Mm -hmm. the kids liked her. She wasn't like Mrs. Lamb at all, but I think the joy is in just playing those authoritarian figures who are just not impressed by anything. Mm -hmm. And also people who do jobs in an environment that they hate. 
<laughs> I love I love playing that. I mean, she clearly yeah. hates kids, hates yes. parents, hates the school. Like GP receptionists. <laughs> yeah, just yeah, exactly. You think why? You know, I know it's really must be really stressful, but maybe just do a different yeah. job. <laughs> <laughs> now. So you've got four, Saoirse's 17, triplets are 16, Trisha's got twins, I've got four, you're one of four children yourself, aren't yep. you? So we're all a bit exhausted in our midlife years, um, but you do sort of three or four different things at the same time as well, switching from one to the other. So how do you manage your day-to-day life? I mean, for our listeners, we're always desperate, our listeners and us, to find out how other women manage to balance all of this and not feel overwhelmed. What would your tips be? I think it's a lot to do with your disposition. I think I'm naturally fairly laid back, and so is my husband. When we had the triplets, we already had a one-year-old, one-and-a-half-year-old. So it was full on, but we quickly agreed, right, if we're going to get through this vaguely sane, you have to lower your standards. Like, I mean, really low. Don't sweat the small stuff. Just as long as everyone's healthy and alive and vaguely sane at the end of the day you're you're really winning and I think there's a lot of pressure on us to be perfect especially women who give up their careers and their kids become their project Mm -hmm. I think that can be so unhealthy like you're trying to live vicariously through your children and you see the mums turning up with the brilliant school projects and you know all of those cliches but I think that's actually really bad for the mums a lot of the Mm -hmm. time because they just sort of lose themselves. And I think that's when women struggle in later life, when their kids leave home and they realise, my God, I've completely given up my sense of self. I've tried to be there for my kids as much as possible, but I think they also value the fact that I've got my own life and my own things to do. And that sounds probably selfish, but I think it's made me a better Mm mum. So I'm very supportive of working mums. I think dads really have to step up. My husband always sort of blowing his trumpet because he's, that sounds absolutely awful, doesn't it? Yeah, I just let that go. I just let that go as if you hadn't said that. I I wasn't sure where I was going with that. I'm always bigging him up, shall we say. Um, And he's not perfect by any means, but he is very down to earth, very hands on, very good cook, very practical. When when we had the triplets and it was chaos, he would just stand and iron all the muslins, you know, that you use to mop up the sick and make this beautiful pile of perfectly folded iron muslins. The rest of the house was, you know, a tip. But he just said, as long as I can keep this one little corner in order, I will be happy and we will just know that we're winning on some small scale. So I think it's a lot to do with attitude. And just try to laugh and try Mm -hmm. to realize that my mum once said this thing to me and it was the best thing anyone's ever said about motherhood. She said, the days are long, but the years fly by. Mm. And that's so true. That's really true. And then we get into our midlife menopausal years. (laughs) So you're coming out of one lot of chaos into another. Was Richard as supportive during that time for you? Because I believe that you you actually had an early menopause at the age of 41. Yeah, so I went to have a coil fitted after my first child and I'd had such a disastrous experience with a previous smear test because it was very painful I think Mm. my cervix is a bit wonky or something and I went to the appointment and the doctor was putting her surgical gloves on to insert this coil and I said is it going to hurt because I'm really really scared of it hurting and she said yeah I'm not going to lie it is so I said, okay, I'm not having it. Then I ran out of the clinic. Six months later, I was pregnant with triplets. <laughs> so, you know, it was all spontaneous conception. So 
after the triplets were born, I went to have another coil inserted and it was in the Mirena where you don't really get periods. Mm -hmm. So I didn't get periods for ages. And then I started feeling really low and really moody. And I just put it down to having lots of young kids and working. I was performing in Billy Elliot in the West End at the time. So I was knackered, but I went to have the coil removed because I thought maybe it's the progestin in the Mirena that is making me moody. And the doctor said to me, why are you having it removed? You don't want to have any more kids, do you? And I said, God, no. But then I just didn't get any periods. So she put me through for blood tests at 41. And I went in and she said, yeah, your perimenopausal, your estrogen levels are really low. You can go on HRT, but I wouldn't recommend it because my sister had had breast cancer and there was that link with breast cancer. Mm -hmm. But then I struggled on for a couple of years and it was absolutely awful. And so I went back and she said, well, you can, I think I saw a different GP then who was a bit more progressive. And she said, well, you can try HRT and we just keep you on it and keep you monitored on a breast screening program, Mm -hmm. et cetera. So I went on the pills first, hated them. Within a month, I felt more mental. Went on the patches, same story. It was absolutely horrendous. I felt so anxious Mm -hmm. and so down at the same time. It's a really weird combination. Even though the flushes stopped and the endless cystitis stopped, I still felt my mood was really all over the place. So in desperation, I went private and went to a doctor called Professor Studd, hilariously, in Harley Street. (laughs) He said to me that most women are put on antidepressants when actually they have low estrogen. Mm. And what you need to do is look at your hormone levels carefully and have a kind of bespoke package. So I went on this regime that was a gel form of estrogen. And then once a month uh, for a week, taking progestin tablets mm-hmm. that give you a bleed if you still yeah. have a womb. Plus he gave me testosterone. Yes. And that was a life changer because you yeah. can't get that on the NHS. It's not licensed, which really needs looking at. Yeah. Because women have testosterone and it declines in middle age. And it's just such a great thing for your brain, for your mood, for your libido, you know, for all of those things. that Trish and I are on it, aren't we, Trish? Yeah. It's fab, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. And that's the one that's been Some made specifically for women. It. GPs do prescribe it, but it, the one the NHS has is formulated for men. So they have, they have to try and work out the female dose. But the stuff we're on, you're probably on Androfem, I guess. Yes. Yeah, which is the one that's made for women. That saved you, did it? It really did. I mean, I tried to come off it last year because I had a horrendous hysteroscopy experience. I was reading Catelyn Moran on Twitter the other week Mm -hmm. about the violence of gynecology and Mm -hmm. how these terrible things we get put through with no pain relief, no consideration. And how if this was men, you know, they would have sorted this decades ago and it would be pain free and no problem at all. So I had this horrendous hysteroscopy because there was a slight thickening of the womb lining. And it came back fine. But when I went to get the results, I saw this lovely old gynecologist doctor in the hospital. And I said to her, what about going back on HRT? And she said, no, don't do that. The menopause is God's way of just telling you, you know, you're in late life. And I'm thinking, you're a scientist and you're invoking God? Like, so I tried to stay off it. And that was just at the start of the lockdown. And I felt crazy. And mm-hmm. all the, it, it yeah. wasn't so much the symptoms as the mental stress of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so in July, I was contacted by Dr. Louise Newson, who's a mm-hmm. really radical GP specializing Genius. in menopause. Yes, she's been on the show. I had a consultation with her because she saw something that I tweeted about the whole situation. And she was just amazing. So since then, I've been back on that regime and absolutely loving it. And so normal Jackie is back. What are your midlife 
commandments then? How do you live your life now? Because I know you gave up alcohol, didn't you, for a little bit during lockdown while you were writing your new book. But what keeps you mentally and physically well now? What's your day-to-day regime? I wish I could say that I've cracked this. The truth is I'm probably a bit of a mess. And I know you do all your lovely (laughs) swimming and everything. And I I ricochet between, right, I'm not drinking. I'm doing 10,000 steps. I'm doing weight training. I'm doing mindfulness. I'm being calm. And I'm walking away from stressful situations to, oh my God, get me a big glass of whiskey. Leave me alone. Let me sit on the couch and watch Love Island. And, And I tend to have six month cycles of that. And I'm in a sort of downward cycle at the moment. Heading towards the whiskey. <laughs> I'm heading towards the whiskey. And I, I, I've never managed to crack that sort of self-care midline of mm. consistency. And I really wish I could because it's always like when I start putting on weight and I feel awful about myself and I think as I'm eating the almond croissant, I'm thinking this is making me unhappy mm. and yet I still do it. So mm. I've, I've never cracked how to stay on the straight and narrow. Your kids are all in their mid to late teens now growing up three of them they might all leave home at the same time are you you starting to think about that is that coming into your kind of thoughts and planning about what might happen in this next stage of life a bit and I do talk to friends about this as well and we all say we're sort of slightly dreading it because Mm. it's like much as you hate having to pick up 30 pairs of size 11 air force ones or (laughs) you know and put them in a shoe rack much as I hate constantly shoving the washing machine full of dirty old sports kit I know that one day I'm going to look in the hallway Mm. and there'll just be my shoes and his shoes and that sort of breaks my heart a little bit I grew up in a busy household I like being in a busy household also I think living in London how likely is it that all four kids are going to leave and never come back? Fairly Mm -hmm. unlikely. (laughs) So I think we're sort of in for the long haul and that's kind of okay with me. My eldest has left home was probably the worst month of my whole parenting journey. And I I was physically sick the morning she left thinking I thought I had food poisoning, but I realised I was just so upset to see that empty room with all her pictures off the wall and no trainers anywhere on the floor, you know, no underpants, no coffee cups, no nothing. And it's such a s- symbolic moment. But what happens next for you in terms of career then? Because you've got motherland happening. I'm assuming you can film that and still be at home. But a lot of your career you've spent abroad. And I mean, I know the triplets went with you when you went to New York and things. What happens next for Jackie Clune, the actress or singer? At the moment, because I think weirdly, as they get older, they need you more or they need you in more important ways. So it's not just the practicalities, but like I've turned down work coming up that takes me away from home because I just feel like I can't not be around. I have to be. So I'm holding out for stuff that I can do from home or, you know, within London so I can get home. But when they've gone or when they're older and they're doing their own thing more and they're a bit more self-reliant, I would like to travel more. I really love traveling. I love working and traveling. So seeing a place because you're working there is just the best way. Lots of places I want to go to. I want to go to Madagascar. Mm. because I've written about it in my book and I, I I had to research it. It just looks magical. And places like that, Papua New Guinea, where there are so many different species of birds of paradise. And I don't know, travel and work, I don't ever see myself retiring, 
which is partly why I'm on the hormones, because I think they can really protect your brain, because that would be my worst fear, losing my mind and not not being able to do all the things that I really want to do. Yeah. And also grandchildren. I'm looking forward to that. Hopefully. Are you imagining musical roles again? Because I know you are part of equity, aren't you? And you are working to kind of get the fact that older roles for older women need to be more prominent, more visible. Do you want to just tell us about that and where you see you would love to perform somewhere? So I'm one of the equity vice presidents. And one of the things that I bang on about a lot is representation of women, especially Mm -hmm. midlife. I mean, I've got a game with my kids where I'll be watching a TV show and there'll be some men at the front talking and there's a woman in the back doing some filing. And I say, well, that's my role. (laughs) (laughs) Because, you know, the the visibility is just not really there, apart from one or two key actors who are brilliant, like watching Kate Winslet in um, Mm -hmm. Mayor of Easttown. Fantastic. But you can't just say, oh, we've got her. For every Kate Winslet, there are, you know, 500 middle-aged blokes with lead roles. So that's something that I'm I'm very passionate about. I'd like to write my own stuff. I've got several ideas for TV series. Yeah, maybe later in life, I'll turn into a TV or film script writer. You've written in the past about women and their appearance as they get older. You wrote a piece for, I think it was the Mail last year on, you road tested Botox and fillers. So how has that journey, because you're kind of on screen, well, Mrs. Lamb aside, you're on <laughs> yeah. screen you feel this this pressure to look a certain way do you want to look younger how do you feel about all of that well I think like most women I'm a mass of contradictions because how I think about it is different to how I feel about it so I think it's unnecessary it's stupid it's anti-feminist we should embrace our wisdom with our years we should fight back against this sort of complete dominance of ideology that women have to stay young and beautiful for as long as possible and claw their way up the cliff edge of aging but how I feel about it when I look in the mirror is oh my god I'm only 19 I feel about 19 why does why is this old bag staring at me and just that sort of sagging disappointed look I just really hate so the tired look yeah and and it's because it's not how I feel and also just I felt like the fact that I looked tired and fed up meant I was just getting tired and fed up parts mm-hmm. which are often funny and you know good but I just sort of felt like maybe there's life in the old girl yet and and I've actually loved it I've had these fillers and a bit just a small bit of Botox mm-hmm. and loved the way it's made me just look a bit more enthusiastic about life Mm, yeah it's a bit fresher a bit more fresh I mean I'm never going to look like Cindy Crawford or whatever Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to attain that it's just trying not to look so defeated Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) now you during lockdown while the rest of us were all kind of just making banana bread and trying to get on with it you wrote a novel which is just out and it's called Give a Little Love it's a really lovely book and Interesting, it's about COVID. Do you want to just explain what it's about and where yeah. the idea came from? Yeah, so last year at the start of the lockdown, I was just listening to the news and I was listening to the statistic that a woman rang a domestic violence helpline every 30 seconds in the first month of lockdown. And also that the first demographic being hit really badly by COVID were sort of older, fatter, middle-aged men. And in my mind, those two facts kind of conflated and I started thinking about marriages that were maybe coming to an end because of COVID. So uh, if, if your husband dies and you're suddenly left alone with your teenage children, 
how do you navigate that? And that's set against the backdrop of COVID. So there's a lot of stuff about the lockdown in it, a lot of mm-hmm. kind of social satire about, you know, competitive clapping for carers and people, you know, competing to be the best do-gooder in the street and so on. Mm-hmm. And also the government announcements is a bit of political satire in it too. But generally it's about a woman who has to look back on her marriage after the death of her husband, he's one of the first victims of COVID in, in the UK. I won't give away the plot because it's a bit twisty and turny, but but through the process of getting rid of his things, discovers that the, he had this secret that he kept from her. Mm-hmm. And that secret unraveling projects her into this new second part of her life because she's feeling like, well, that's it. My children are at university. My husband's died. What do I do now? Just curl up in a ball and wait for the end. Mm-hmm. But she she has to look back at her marriage and realize that it wasn't the happy place that she always tried to pretend it was and that he, there were some elements of coercive control there. And so she gets kind of sprung forward into this life of thinking, well, if you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. So she tries to just become more involved with the community and just sort of radical acts of kindness that I experienced a lot personally while sort of helping out with local charities. It's just some brilliant mums and local women around who turned into this kind of mum's army of Mm -hmm. bakers and, you know, scrubs makers and collection points for homeless people, handing out food, giving out gifts for poor families at Christmas. And it was just really beautiful. And I hope that we can continue that. So the book just looks at how radical it is to be kind and Mm -hmm. how the middle of your life could be a time to reimagine yourself and not just give in. Who did you work with? Because you work with some really lovely local charities that you mentioned. Yeah, there's one in Forest Gate called the Magpie Project, and they are just phenomenal women. I turned up there one day and there were all these trestle tables and all these very cheerful volunteers sorting through donations for basically women who live in single rooms in in accommodation with their young families because they are maybe asylum seekers or they're victims of domestic violence and they can't get a room in a refuge because they're just totally oversubscribed and underfunded. Yeah, they give out clothes and they provide a drop-in centre for young mums with kids under five who are often doing things like having to walk down a corridor through two fire doors to take their children to the toilet. So we were, mm. they were finding at the Magpie Project that nappy requests were getting bigger and bigger and they had kids of five still in nappies. And they worked so out that this was because they couldn't get to the toilet in time. They didn't have their own toilet. And just things like that sort of mm. blow my mind. How do you cope in that situation? It's just a network. I think you just need to get out there and start talking to people in your community who stick their hand up and volunteer because the networks are out there. They may not be as well publicized as the big charities, but they are out there. Did the teenagers help you? Um, what do you think? <laughs> up early what can we do today mum no they weren't (laughs) I remember the first weekend of lockdown and my daughters sat and did painting on the kitchen table and I thought this is gonna be great they're Mm. all gonna learn foreign languages and learn how to cook Asian food and no that lasted a weekend (laughs) and then they got bored and they just stayed in their rooms until September basically I think the hardest thing for me was the schools um, in the first lockdown the schools being closed and and not being at posh private schools they weren't getting online lessons they were just getting sent reams of work with no kind of recourse to much help and I was quite academic at school 
and and a bit of a girly swat but having two boys boys are just different aren't they I always say to mm. them how do men end up running the world because you two don't care about anything <laughs> and they're, they're 16 now and I was trying to teach them I thought well I can't do the maths or the science but I'm good at English I can teach them we were looking at <laughs> the strange case of Dr Jekyll and Mr Hyde and I would start out as Dr Jekyll like really calm and nice and by the end I'd be going why don't you care about this stuff why just turn into this monster Mm -hmm. of like screaming opprobium because they were just so not bothered Mm -hmm. in the end I thought you know what let them just game all night Mm -hmm. and sleep all day and then the house is at least quiet during the day and when you were growing up when you were a teenager did you have your sort of sights set on a career in entertainment yes I did very much so I went for my O-level choices meeting because I'm that Mm -hmm. old it was Mm -hmm. O-level me too (laughs) (laughs) you don't look it Trish it must be be the little Botox (laughs) (laughs) or good gene yes I went into the meeting and said and because I was quite bright I said to the headmaster right I'm going to do typing and he said typing why do you want to do typing that's what the sort of unacademic girls do and I said well because I'm going to be an actor and possibly Mm -hmm. a writer so I will need those skills and he was like okay I want to do needlework. And he said, again, that's what the non-academic girls do. And I said, but I might need to make costumes. And I had it all worked Mm. out. And he just in the end said, fine, okay, do it. And I have used all those skills. So I think I knew early on that I really wanted to do it. And I was always at the theatre in Harlow, Harlow Mm -hmm. Youth Theatre with my mates. And my teachers used to tell me off for being tired. But I think I'm quite driven. And I don't mean that in a kind of ball busty wall street Mm. kind of a way i I just have always had passion to do creative things and so i just go and do them Mm -hmm. and that's one of the things that frustrates me a bit about teenagers these days i don't know whether it's just my teenagers but they have this sort of sense of things should be easy Mm. that they deserve things that things should (laughs) sound like a white tory don't i I don't mean (laughs) it like that i know they've had it really hard they have had a really hard time and mental health is at an all-time low in that demographic Mm. and i've seen it for myself you know it's tough what they've been through but I do sometimes wish they had a bit more of that passion a bit more of Mm. that whatever it takes I'm going to get this I'm going to work at this I think it maybe comes a bit later for them is there a role that you would have loved to have played or is there a role that you're watching someone play now that you think that is a Jackie Coon role I should have gone for that (laughs) oh how long have you got Um, so many (laughs) I do really love things like Chekhov and Ibsen I've never done anything like that you know really meaty like Hedda Gabler far too Mm -hmm. old for that now could play Hedda Gabler's mum if anyone ever writes that and musical theatre yeah I did quite a lot I did Mamma Mia on international tour absolutely loved that Billy Elliot Taboo um, the Boy George musical, um, Nine to Five, the musical on tour mm. I did. And I would love to do another singing role. I did a workshop of a new musical recently and just being in a room with people singing was so incredible. I just wept. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love to do that again. But you must be able to dance as well. So maybe a little spin around the Strictly for, <laughs> for you. What do you reckon? You know what? I would, <laughs> I would. I would definitely do that. But I, I don't know how good at it I'd be, but I'd be oh. a laugh, I think. <laughs> Give us all a laugh. That's what we need. <laughs> yeah. well, well, thank you for giving us lots and lots of laughs in all your work and in your book too, which I'm really pleased to say we have Absolutely. a copy to give away on our Facebook group. Um, and that's Give a Little Love. So thank you so much for joining us today, Jackie. It's oh, great. Thank you. And well done for all you do. 
week's How to Win section of the podcast, we're going to be helping you find a solution to a little problem you're having, Lorraine, aren't we? Yes, we are, Trish. So I did something last week that I've never done in 30 years of being a very efficient person because I am usually incredibly efficient. A friend rang me about half past nine and said, I'm really sorry, I'm going to have to leave now. And I said, leave where? And she said, our breakfast meeting, I thought you were coming. I completely forgot. It was a semi-work breakfast meeting with quite a senior legal person. Um, And I felt awful. I've never, ever, ever missed a diary appointment. I guess this is because I'm completely in charge of my own diary now. And obviously I'm a bit hopeless at anything that's got any number attached to it. I'm so easily distracted that unless I put it in the diary immediately, I generally don't do it. And obviously I have had wall-to-wall assistance in my career in (laughs) Gossy magazines. So someone has always been doing that for me I did try some of those apps but I I couldn't really handle Mm. them you know the kind of diary apps reminding me of things but I don't know what the answer is because it's Mm. about multitasking really isn't it? Mm. it's about unpicking how I'm not able to switch from one thing to the next and back again which I used to really be able to do you know because we can switch from work to kids to hobbies Mm. to everything I have to say I can sense your shoulders (laughs) tensing anytime Mm. I mention anything that needs to go in the diary I think the diary is the key for you obviously as women in middle life we always have too much to do on any given day and you just have to be on top of it from the word go so it's kind of trying to understand how do you do that without overwhelming yourself with the tools that you need to do it I feel a failure because I haven't been organized but actually I just didn't put it in the diary so I just I'm just not sure why I didn't do that Mm. particular thing and it is Mm -hmm. important I think because I my main fear is as will be your fear and our listeners fear is Mm. what if I forget to take one of the kids to the doctor what if I forget you know that's the the big fear the more exactly it is yeah well where do I start well this is the thing I think you have to start with the diary because that is the thing that is going to keep you organized and on track and not missing anything do you have one diary one calendar with everything on for work and the kids because obviously when we were both in offices we would have an office diary and then a home diary and you'd be able to manage both or your assistant would manage but I still have the two you have the two I think that could be a problem I think you might need the one diary and put all of their stuff in as well as all of your stuff so I think I I might just get on a train to Heathrow if I see that all in one place (laughs) exactly that's the other way so here's what you do with your one calendar your one diary so you review it at the start of every week and I actually have a look at the end of play on a Friday just so I know what's coming up the week ahead but I also do it on a Monday morning and I see what meetings I have and list any kind of action and items and preparation that I need to kind of take care of it and then I review every morning because things can change can't they during the week so they go into the week thinking I think it's this this and this and then things change and evolve and move on so you do need to do that now I've got a feeling you probably check your Instagram before you check your diary in the morning don't you yeah, if I'm an addict. Yes. <laughs> I'm addicted to social media. So that needs to change. You need to look at your oh. diary before you look at your Instagram, because I know you, you'll get carried yes, away, yes. you'll get all excited, you'll be posting, you'll be reading, you'll be, be disconnected with people. Yeah. So don't do it. Look at my new nail varnish, that's more important. Exactly. Than Let me post my new nail varnish. That's really important that you do that okay. every morning before the Instagram. You have to promise me that you're going to okay. do that. Towards the end of the day, I have another little look and I scan the diary before I finish and think, have I got everything done? What's coming up tomorrow? And I mean, both you and I, we don't want those scheduling apps and 
and all those kind of different apps. Yeah. And I'm just no good at that. So I'm just using one diary. The other option, Rain, you might want to think about is to get a virtual assistant. Have you ever thought about that? Because I know you like an assistant. So it would be about, I kind of did a bit of rootling around, about £70 a week, and they do your diary management, your bookkeeping, your personal diary management as well. So that might be an option. But I should be grown up and capable of doing this. You myself, are grown up and capable, but it's yeah. still learning a new skill. You've never had to do it before, right? No. <laughs> exactly. I feel so. very spoiled now. I mean, I just want to put that in context. It's because there was something in my diary to do mm. every three minutes. So you're putting too much managing in like and a you're not, million yeah. pound budget and 48 staff and et cetera, yeah. et cetera, and working on a new schedule. Exactly. So I wasn't just having my hair done and not managing my diary. Just wanted <laughs> yes. to make sure I put that out there. Yes, I know it's exactly. not frontline saving lives. I think people yeah. might understand that people need assistance in in high power got it, got I it. think we're okay with that so but in terms right. of general time management and prioritizing I had a chat with career coach Rachel Schofield who we had on the podcast a few weeks ago so Rachel was talking about career change and professional identity which was very interesting because that's kind of a bit of what we're talking about here but she was brilliant on the podcast a few weeks ago go and have a look on the website our website and you will be able to listen to it there yes so Rachel says that we need to reassess our attitude to multitasking because we might think it's a great way to get a lot done but research has shown that our brains are not nearly as good at handling multiple tasks as we like to think they are and some researchers suggest that multitasking can actually reduce productivity by as much as 40 percent and switching from one task to another makes it difficult to tune out distractions and and can cause mental blocks that slow you down yeah well that does make sense doesn't it It, that'll probably be why i'm getting so much wrong because i (laughs) very confused by my diary I think also because we've been working from home and now that Mm. we are formally working from home, there is that element of surprise during the day, isn't there? There's all the children being around asking for things. And once you've moved into dealing with that parenting mode, remembering everything to switch back is quite hard, isn't it? So Rachel has some suggestions. So what she says is you need to rethink the way that you do your list because the traditional sort of epic to-do list is not your friend because it's always, it's kind of an always growing mishmash of vague words and tasks. It's just sort of never ending. And it's essentially a brain dump and a brain dump should be a starting point. And it's good to have a running list somewhere that's easily accessible. So you can capture sort of thoughts and ideas and things that you need to do as you go but you put it down there and then you move back to your work list that you have for each day when you're doing your work list you need to quantify tasks so you need to get specific and stop writing just like words like bathroom (laughs) whatever Nicole because you need to call Nicole you need to kind of just be a bit specific about what it is that you need to do with the bathroom so you don't then end up doing other things for the bathroom or whatever before moving on and there are lots of time management tools and books. Rachel has recommended a number of them, which we will put on the episode notes. But she did say it was rather funny that most of them are written by men who clearly have more time to do all of these things. Start me on that. (laughs) But one model which I hadn't heard about that Rachel told me about was actually, it's quite funny given how ancient we all are, we should probably know this, is the Eisenhower decision matrix. Have you heard about that? No. I'm going to tell you about it. So you can do a quick Google search and you'll get a sort of basically a box (laughs) with four quadrants that you use, but I can probably explain it. So he was the uh, president of the United States and a five-star general. And his his productivity was legendary. And he divided this four-box decision-making strategy to help him order his tasks. And basically what you need to do is you should be ordering your to-do list like this. Like, first of 
of all, the tasks you need to do immediately are those which are both urgent and important. So something that's urgent, important and important like might be like making an appointment at the doctor for your child because they're not very well or submitting your tax return because you left it right till the last minute that sort of thing contacting margot's potential kidnapper so that she's (laughs) swiftly taken out of the mix before anyone knows (laughs) so the second is if a task is important but not urgent you should schedule it on your calendar to do later could be like planning your business strategy for next month or booking in a new exercise class for next week so they don't have an immediate deadline but have vital impacts and mustn't yeah. be overlooked the third one is when you identify a task as urgent but not important this is a good one this is where you try and delegate that to somebody else so I'm thinking James My I'm husband. thinking your, your husband I'm thinking maybe your eldest daughter not me obviously you know that could Why be not? things like popping some photos onto the, the Instagram yeah. that could be like filling in the forms Charity for a school shop. trip that sort of thing, taking the stuff to the right. charity shop, all of that stuff. The fourth one, if there's a job, if you're honest, is neither urgent nor important, just ditch it or relegate it to a someday kind of list. So, you know, I always mean? do this. Yeah. Well, clearing out my laundry cupboard, suddenly get or an urge. Pairing up the socks. Yeah, pairing up the socks. Pairing you know, in the middle of a working socks. morning when I'm procrastinating and I think, oh, I know, I'll go okay. and get the laundry cupboard done because that counts. <laughs> that counts as work. <laughs> when obviously... Obviously, it doesn't. <laughs> that doesn't. I mean, I think the other thing to add in here is um, I'm just going to mention perimenopause and the mm. forgetfulness and overwhelmingness. I mean, I think being overwhelmed is a natural physical symptom of perimenopause. So when I started taking hormone replacement therapy, I got a lot better at mm-hmm. being a bit more organized because I just if I faced a wall of stuff that panicked me and gave me anxiety and um, particularly family stuff actually organizing everything but as soon as I was on that and the testosterone I felt mm. much better but I think this four box is quite a good yeah. idea yeah you're right really because one of the kind of th- key things that um, mm. Rachel says as well is it plan to your energy so identify when you're most effective and plan to do your key tasks oh. then and if you are having a bit Morning. of a dreadful day brain fog all of that take some things if you can off the list give yourself a bit of a break you'll hopefully be back with a bang the next day yes and i tell you who else is very good on this if you look at her instagram it's Maisie hill who we had on the podcast a few months ago she is really great at planning for your energy that talk of carpenters and mamma mia and abba i think it's time for some nostalgia noodling oh well i'm ready but i've stuck with our summary food thing. oh okay my 10 year old mabel and i now have an after school ritual which uh, we didn't have before but it's come all the way back from my childhood mm-hmm. we have a crisp sandwich <laughs> after school <laughs> Slice white bread. Yes, Trish. Thick, thick slab of healthy. butter. Yeah, this is your five a day. But I made a new discovery, mm. which Mabel brought to me, is that you can actually put salt and vinegar chip sticks in a crisp oh, sandwich. Okay, okay. Normally I would avoid a fluffy crisp. <laughs> Because you need a crispy one. You know, I mean, I wouldn't do, you know, the little prawn mm. cocktails or anything no. like that. But actually, a chipstick is quite good. I'll tell you what you can't do, though, is you can't mm. put uh, Monster Munch or onion rings in. No. <laughs> Too thick. I was remembering my dad, who used to work night shifts when he was a policeman, would come in and have a crisp sandwich as well before he went to sleep throughout the day. Mm. And I was wondering about crisp sandwiches. Were there etiquettes? You know, is there a rule? Mm. And if you go on to the spa 
blog. It has crisps to go in your sandwich and oh. crisps to go with your sandwich, which is a little bit like, you know, which wine to have with fish, isn't it? Now yes. the middle class is wine with fish. We've come from a place of which crisps in and with your sandwich, haven't okay. we, Okay, well, can I just say, I don't think I've ever had a crisp sandwich. That's not good, is it? That's the reason for everything. <laughs> banana sandwiches, that's what I used to do. Oh, oh yeah, my mum used to do them. A bit of a banana. I don't think I could do that now without feeling quite unpleasant. Sometimes. <laughs> yes. Trish, where have you been? So I was just perusing my my sky the other day, had it on. What am I going to watch? And a picture came up of Bless This House. Do you remember that from the 70s? No, I don't. Well, it was a bit upsetting because it was Sid James. It was a picture of Sid James and the other characters in this sitcom. And and it's sort of slightly millennial phrase triggered me it triggered me back to the days of the 70s and watching him in those carry-on films where he always played this really lecherous leering old bloke with that really dirty laugh do you remember that that was his character in every single and it just really used to creep me out the way he was always—it was well, wrong on every level. It was wrong on every level, and he was always trying to like gawp at Barbara Windsor's boobs, wasn't he? You know, in Carry On Camping or going on about Tiffin and Carry On Up the Kyber that sort of thing so I'm sure he was probably a lovely man in real life I don't know he did actually die on stage at the Sunderland Empire Theatre in 1976 I didn't know that well it's a conundrum isn't it Sir James and carry on because Mm. if we were to show these to our teenage daughters there would be horror but then sometimes and I'm going to say something a little controversial Mm. here I look at Love Island and I think I don't like yes. the feeling here. No, I you're right. Like it's much worse than uh, carrying on up these the girls in this mm. way. Yeah. It's a funny old thing, isn't it? Mm. And yet if I said to my teenage daughters, I'm not sure I'm happy with Love Island this year, I feel it's mm. not quite right, they would be very cross with me because they mm. quite like it. Do you think Confusing, we would have defended the carry-on films then if our parents... No, I, don't no, I think we all knew that was wrong, didn't we? We were confused. I quite liked watching them carry on screaming, but I just didn't like all the leering and perving. Remember Oddbodge, the big hero. Carry on book. podcasting, Trish. Yes, carry on podcasting. Exactly. That's where we are. Well, that brings us to the end of yet another episode of Postcards from Midlife. Thank you very much for listening. If you enjoyed it, please tell your friends and all the midlife women you know. And remember to subscribe on your podcast provider and rate and review us too. And please, if you would, very kindly download your episodes so they count on our listener numbers. And that is really, really helpful. And don't forget to join our private Facebook group where we talk about all things midlife. Have a look at us on Instagram or email us if you want to tell us anything at hello at postcardsfrommidlife.com. Goodbye. Goodbye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.